Uh, thanks, Gina. Can I say, I was just back from uh, Northern Ireland where I was meeting my counterpart and I was speaking at a conference there on planning and uh, community planning. And as I arrived, I had my snazzy new uh, Scottish Government uh, portfolio, Building Standards, it did this, so all credit to them, Scottish Government portfolio. And as I went in and I took my seat before I, I was invited up to speak and some of the organisers leaned over and said to me, are you with the Minister? To which I said, I am the Minister. <laughs> um, but hopefully uh, uh, many of you... Uh, uh, come on, that was, it wasn't really a slow burner. <laughs> God, the cutting edge of public service, here we have it. Uh, and so I learned much from that short trip, and that's that public sector reform, of course, is happening uh, across these islands, and we all face uh, different uh, uh, challenges. Um, but I suppose one of the best accolades I could ever hope for is that Minister Atwood in Northern Ireland was complementing uh, public facilities, public services in Scotland and the planning system in particular, and said that John Swinney, my boss, was the best minister in these islands. So I have set myself an ambition to be Mini Swinney <laughs> over the next few years uh, because I hold uh, all my ministerial uh, uh, colleagues in, in very high regard because we have, I think, deployed a, a Team Scotland approach. And I know that that's shared across the professionals uh, within the uh, public sector. And that's why this event is so important to bring together the, the leadership, the public bodies, uh, leaders, to share ideas, experience, and indeed some of the challenges going forward, because public sector reform is not easy in these challenging times. The conference theme might be straightforward, but of course the practicalities that lie behind it are certainly more challenging. That's why we appreciate the strong attendance uh, from, from all of you today. And it's actually quite a terrifying uh, gathering we've got as I look across the hall from auditors to partners, stakeholders, former presidents of COSLA uh, and leaders right across the public sector, many of whom I've engaged with. So I'm looking forward to the questions later on and I say, bear in mind, just keep the really difficult questions uh, for the boss. So having you all in the one place at the one time is incredibly important with the, the statement of intent at the back. Now this is timely as we approach two years to the Christie, uh, Christie Commission's uh, report, a, a diagnosis of what needed to be done by way of public sector reform, and we've moved on to the how rather than from the why we need to reform, and we hope that the, and believe that the right conditions are in place, and there's innovation across the country and across services and across sectors, but sometimes it's bursts of innovation, it's piecemeal, and we do have to pose the question, if we know something works, and it's working, why can't it be upscaled across the country and replicated uh, in different ways? And hopefully some of the presentations will inspire some of that sharing of good practice uh, today. It also should be a celebration of the good work and the innovation that has been uh, emerging over the last uh, couple of years. And we know that untapped opportunities still exist within the public sector and working very closely uh, with our um, third sector partners, and yes, there is scope for private sector engagement as well in terms of creating a safe place for new ways of working and service redesign. So we must 
commit ourselves individually and collectively from our organisations to transform that focus on outcomes rather than necessarily inputs. And, you know, in Parliament, I'm well aware of how parliamentarians love a focus on inputs, but we must absolutely focus on that sense of place and how we're working together to deliver on the outcomes. Because we know that the status quo is uh, not sustainable, uh, with the increasing demand in our services, with the continuing austerity until 2018, then uh, necessity must be the mother of invention. And there is that financial and social imperative uh, for change and to deliver those uh, radical public services to create the ambition kind of, ambitious kind of Scotland that we all want to live, work uh, and invest in. Um, the financial horizon um, is uh, not particularly encouraging. That said, of course, there are good signs by way of economic recovery, uh, some divergence from what's happening uh, in the rest of the UK, but a very compelling backdrop to work even more closely together to integrate our energies, our efforts and our services to focus on the communities uh, that we uh, serve. Now, we know that our people are living longer, but inequality is still an issue, although um, uh, life expectancy, for example, is improving. It's not improving for the least well-off in our society. Uh, we know that the welfare reforms will have a profound impact on our society, and the government and our partners have done everything we can to mitigate the impact of welfare reform, but we recognise uh, that there is much more to be done. And indeed, the cost shunting that we try and avoid will be made all the worse by some of those uh, Westminster reforms um, of welfare. And it's that kind of mitigation that frankly can only go so far. But you would expect me to say with the powers of independence, with all the tools uh, at our, and all the levers at our disposal, we could do so much more to tackle the opportunities and indeed the disadvantages that we currently face. So you as um, uh, leaders are integral to meeting those significant uh, challenges. But when you bear in mind the opportunities that will come from the constitutional debate, not just about what might change, but how we can construct services in a public sector landscape for now and the future, we can innovate and we can be imaginative with the tools at our disposal. And there are reasons to be optimistic. I think we've set out as a government and as part of a very clear direction of travel in terms of the response to Christie focus on prevention like never before, integration, working beyond the institutional barriers and boundaries, whether they be uh, perceived or whether there are uh, further issues that have to be addressed, workforce development, focusing on people, and of course, to improve performance uh, with the resources that we have. We're very clear on what the government's objective is, sustainable economic growth, and behind that, the national outcomes that we are all asking, how do we contribute towards them, and what makes the biggest difference to people uh, and uh, our uh, communities right across the country so we can make change in every part uh, of the country. Now, I know there are capacity issues within the public sector, and that's all the more reason to, to be resilient, to share capacity, to share expertise, uh, so that we can work together and unlock the potential that exists within the public sector um, uh, community. Now, the Cabinet Secretary has specifically asked me to focus on community planning, on single outcome agreements, and that element of public sector reform, and I co-chaired uh, the review of community planning with the then uh, President of COSLA, and that's why we've led to, that has led to a statement of ambition and a range of actions that will make community planning more meaningful. Not what we had before, which was sometimes a 
as the Accounts Commission have helpfully pointed out, a collection of good work and good practice and sometimes great projects were happening in spite of community planning rather than because of it. Community planning must be a place where we do serious business, focusing on a sense of place, that which can be delivered in partnership, considering financial contributions too. We were discussing budgets before they are determined by the individual uh, authorities and decision makers uh, so that people go to community planning with a sense of real objective and single outcome agreements that emerge from them are meaningful. And that is why single outcome agreements have a greater sense of assurance and testing and almost scrutiny like never before so that we can properly challenge what each part uh, of the system is doing towards that new ambitious statement of ambition and how we will work together in that partnership uh, approach. But I suppose preventative spend and preventative actions have been uh, a huge step change in how we do business. In fact, it was the advisors to the UK uh, government on early years who said Scotland is leading the way on preventative spend, not just because we've committed half a billion pounds towards the change funds as a catalyst for change, but because we've said we must focus on prevention. For example, by each community plan partnership to produce prevention plans to see how we are making the right interventions at the right time. Because it's socially and morally right to do, but also because it will take demand and cost pressures um, out of the system. And I'm seeing some great practice across the country. Individual projects I visited would include uh, the Street League initiative in Glasgow, where partners have worked together to, to get young folk off the street using sport uh, as a carrot, the interest point to get them in, to train them up, and that's leading to uh, employment uh, within that industry. And many young people will now be engaged in the Commonwealth Games as a result in some of the poorest parts of Glasgow. Or the Highland Leeds Agency model a partnership between uh, the health service and the local authority to reconstruct how they deliver services. Now, I know you'll hear more about this uh, later on. Focusing on the, the client, the consumer, the customer, the person, rather than the structural boundaries that may have been seen as an issue in the past. Now, that's been saving uh, money. That's been leading to better team working. Sometimes it'll involve co-location, and other times it won't. But importantly, it's the public sector coming together to reduce bureaucracy and duplication and cost shunting and having a genuine sense um, of partnerships. So I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing from Elaine and Alistair, who will give more of their insights into how that happened at a local uh, level. And the final specific project uh, that I visited recently was in Aberdeen, the Youth Justice Whole Systems Approach, again, where partners come together to shape activities for young people for what they want. Uh, where they want it and the times that make the biggest difference. Again, giving young people opportunities uh, that will work for them. So they are practical projects on the ground. I know there's a great deal of work going on across the country, but the point is if we have uh, methods and methodologies that work, then we should replicate it right across the country and challenge each other on why certain things are not happening in some parts of the country. So fantastic examples of reform uh, and uh, great partnership working. Some of the big opportunities that exist for us include in the digital age and the digital first policy that we've all signed up to, because increasingly uh, that's where people turn for information, for services, uh, and um, I, I think there's great potential there for all of us in the public sector. Now, I've seen it with my own eyes and my own portfolio in terms of e-planning, where there's a cost reduction uh, to the applicant and also 
um, the, the planning uh, authority, a good customer tool. It helps with planning timescales. It's saving uh, millions of pounds, and so much so that now 45% of planning applications are now dealt with online. And we're rolling it out to e-building standards uh, as well. So these are areas where sometimes tainted unfairly with a sense of, or a perception of bureaucracy ahead of the curve in terms of um, the digital revolution and, and connecting with um, the, the public and uh, our clients. And I know that that digital strategy has got great sign-up in terms of investment and participation, and it is really important that we present more and more effective channels of communication and accessing our services at a time in a way that people want. That will, of course, save money, but the driver is to be at the forefront of technology, not just uh, to save money. But I'm sure that that efficiency will be appreciated uh, right across uh, the board. And in terms of the digital strategy, it's pretty cluttered at the moment, I would say, in terms of the various websites that the government and our agencies and partners have. And that's why the uh, new website, MyGovScot, will bring together all of that in one interface, one channel, that I think will be far more effective going forward in terms of our digital uh, strategy. But we are not, um, or we are very uh, conscious of the, the scale of public sector reform across the country in terms of uh, health and social care partnerships and police and fire restructuring as well, the personalisation of care. So there is much change taking place at the same time and that brings its own challenges. But I think that all of these decisions were absolutely the right thing to do in terms of the integration uh, stream of our response uh, to Christie. And in terms of further uh, work, um, the uh, justice system will deliver uh, further uh, specific savings. But I want to turn to the Community Empowerment and Renewal Bill that I'm leading on behalf of the government. Because we'll hear debates right now about the economic strength of Scotland and North Sea oil, but it was actually Jimmy Reid who said some years ago uh, that the untapped wealth um, of, our, of the North Sea is nothing compared to the untapped wealth of our people. And I think that's absolutely right. One of the key work streams within the Christie Commission was using the capacity of our workforce and our people to deliver change. And I think that uh, there does lie a great deal of potential there. And so the bill that we are embarking on aims to unlock that potential at a local level, not just because decisions are normally best taken as local as possible. And just as a government, we believe that power should transfer from London to Edinburgh, but so too from Edinburgh to local communities and to individuals as well. But there are practical things we can do to empower communities, not in that patronising way where we send someone to tell someone uh, a community is how to live their, their lives, but it's about giving people the tools to do the job at a local level and be able to harness the, the public facilities in a community, those areas of blight or greater involvement with decisions, and crucially on community planning, ensuring that all public sector partners have that sense of duty towards uh, community planning, not just what was perceived to be a job uh, for local government. So we're very enthusiastic about the ongoing work uh, with this bill, with that focus uh, on place, with that unlocking the local potential and realising the ambitions um, of local uh, people. Um, the bill will uh, continue to be consulted upon. We'll produce a draft bill uh, after the, uh, the summer. So we recognise that radical change is necessary. We require further collaboration and bold decisions, and we shouldn't be frightened of making bold decisions. 
And I have had cause to reflect back on my time as a leader of a council, chair of a community health partnership and a non-executive director of a health board, eh, all three at the same time, which gave me a great insight to what was going on in terms of the health agenda and public health, uh, the politics and the facilities uh, that were and the, and the decisions that were being uh, progressed uh, by, by our local authority. And I didn't need an instruction to tell me early years was important. It was already impressed upon me by the top-level messages and the evidence that we could bring. And there's a saying that some politicians just think to the next election, but our duty as public leaders is to think to the next generation. We won't be able to evidence some of the benefits from, for example, our, our early years' work, but we know that it will make a difference. And some of the decisions I took in that in those uh, years in, in Renfrewshire Council included a focus on PPP, not public-private partnership, but uh, the parenting programme, which does target towards those parents that could benefit from the intervention most, but actually had a whole population approach. So there's another live debate at the moment, universalism or targeted approach. Actually, we're all doing both. And I thought I had coined the phrase targeted universalism. I thought that was a Mackayism, my first. I thought it was pretty good. Someone else told me, no, someone else has already coined that phrase, Derek. But I'm saying it in front of you, it's a Mackayism, targeted universalism, where you recognise that sometimes we need a wholesale approach, but you're targeting resources within that to those who can benefit from it most. And that focus on parenting was one such example. And that will then, of course, play into the collaborative, the early years collaborative, which is really exciting work around how we can almost compete within the public sector to share targets, to sign up to commitments, to work together and to collaborate, to focus on what can make the biggest difference in an evidence-based way. But we can reach out, third sector partners, private sector partners. I was chair of the vision board in Paisley, which is about economic regeneration of Paisley town centre. And you think you've got challenges um, as a large town centre faced with a lot of these issues. We had to work incredibly hard. But that gave me an idea how to work beyond the barriers and the borders to try and make projects happen by being quite innovative. Youth diversion to deploy St Martin and, uh, and other uh, stakeholders and partners to put um, facilities in the places that young people were engaging in antisocial behaviour. And of course that had a dramatic effect in reducing uh, antisocial behaviour complaints and crime in that area. Our local area committees opened up opportunities for communities to have a say in how resources were spent. Just practical examples of what we were able to do at that time. And it's the prevention plans that I think will now shed a light on each community plan partnership to assess what um, is going on at a local level and what is missing and also what can be rolled out across the country. I would want to draw attention to the three-step the three-step improvement framework for Scotland's public services. I think it's quite a, a helpfully clear and crystallised format for how we improve public services. I was a wee bit surprised. I thought we are an ambitious government in terms of our objectives for Scotland. So at the bottom, we make the improvement. Secondly, we create the conditions in this hierarchy. And at number one, we change the world. That's pretty ambitious. I think changing Scotland's a pretty good start. It did remind me of when... Uh, about 10 years ago, I remember seeing an interview with the SNP leader at the time and said, are you really serious in the SNP about this independence thing? And just for a joke, it was remarked, no, we're actually for world domination. 
And I was just worried that slightly that the three-step improvement plan is the embodiment of that, that going from changing public services to changing the world. Uh, but of course what we mean by that is changing the world in which uh, we operate and which our communities uh, work so closely with, with our services. So I've touched on the early years collaborative, which I think is uh, of particular mention because it, it does talk about the ambitions uh, at a testing environment and how the public sector will work together. I think key to the aspirations behind uh, today's conference and this morning's uh, activities. So it is in your hands. Uh, you have the power to transform uh, services. The six key areas on partnership working include early years, economy, uh, employment, safer communities, health and physical activity, and of course the focus on older people as the demography of this country uh, changes. And we see public services as, as support and not just regulators, but deliverers and uh, enablers towards the kind of society that we all want to uh, live uh, and work. So focus on our plan, streamlining and simplification of the public sector, improve performance and getting on with delivery uh, with a, a pace that is appreciated right across the public sector. My final comment is this, as I look at the uh, wide range of, of representatives and leaders in the room, is that sometimes, as we know, uh, the service that makes the investment is not necessarily the service that bears the fruit or reaps the financial or economic reward, but it's a society uh, that does, and it's that society I think we're all very privileged to serve. So I'm very happy now to take questions. Microphones in the hall. So, if there are any questions for Mr. Mackay, please say your name and your organisation if you have a question. You're saving them all for Mr. Swinney. Oh, oh. John Hume at the back. Yes, microphone's just coming, John. Uh, John Hume, Chairman of the Royal Commission on Ancient Historical Monuments of Scotland. I think we probably got the longest title of anybody in this room. Um, I would like to ask you, Minister, if you and your colleagues have thought about the importance of the public sector bodies um, represented here and others in generating affection for themselves as organisations. Because um, I've worked in the public sector over most all my career, and I've always been able to identify within the public sector bodies which are, are trusted, uh, which are respected, and which are loved. And I think that's a very important dimension of where we want to be as a society. And I wonder if you could maybe comment on that. John, I'll tell you something. If I can actually find a way as a politician to be respected and loved universally at the same time, then I'll, I'll be doing well. I actually think you're hitting something very important. I, I think the sense of um, service... Uh, in Scotland and those that are attracted to public service is very powerful and I think that the, there is a great deal of respect even though some people, um, critics might love to hate particular organisations for particular reasons, generally speaking I think there's a great deal of respect and appreciation for the public sector in Scotland and, and that can be evidenced through social attitude surveys um, as well as polls. What people expect though is we are uh, efficient and dynamic can change to circumstances and can meet the needs of our community. And I can say without exception that public services try to do that. It's the challenges that we face that I suppose sometimes get in the way, but I'll bear that comment in mind. In terms of evangelising with the public, we'll be judged by what we do, 
not what any publicity campaign would, would ever send out by way of public message. Of course, the government has reduced the publicity expenditure. The Auditor General's in the room have quite drastically reduced the publicity <laughs> uh, expenditure. Uh, but I think there's something very potent in what you're saying about ensuring that, that respect for our individual agencies and the services and functions that they provide are retained, even as we continue to declutter, feels like a negative and a pejorative word, but even as we continue to reform public services and our agencies, I think it's important that the work, the expertise that's provided is appreciated, so I'll take that comment on board. Okay, thank you, Minister. Uh, I know the Minister has to leave us now to attend to parliamentary business, so obviously I want to thank you for coming along today. It was very kind of you to, to spare the time to join us.